but I believe Alpha Karama is now available uh, to talk to us. Uh, Alpha, once again, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and good evening to you, Aubrey. So, on the 14th of August, we hear after the three, day, uh, three days of heavy rains and a massive black uh, landslide in, uh, in and around Sierra Leone's capital, Freetown, um, this created a national emergency that is fast becoming one of Africa's worst disasters. Just give us a picture, Alpha, at the moment as to what are we dealing with. I've given out some numbers, but what are we really dealing with here in terms of the human uh, and yeah, the human tragedy of the story? Yes, um, thank you very much. Um, 14th August 2017 is a day Sierra Leoneans will never forget, you know, People went to sleep on the 13th, and on the 14th morning, they were woken up with this kind of massive, you know, mudslide or flooding disaster that hit Sierra Leone's capital, the worst in West Africa this year. And yes, we are talking about over 500 people confirmed dead, and over 800 are still missing. When you put that together, we are talking about over 1,000 plus people who are still missing. And it was so serious that uh, the mortuary in Freetown had a main Connaught hospital, you know, was flooded with corpses. And even corpses were discovered all to neighboring Guinea <laughs> because the water washed away people, dead bodies onto Guinea. We're talking about people whose um, parts were disjointed and the kind of stuff. So it was, yes, um, a national disaster. And um, now after the government declared the 70s morning and after that, they buried the corpses, some of them in parts at the Ebola Cemetery. And now Sierra Leoneans are trying to recover. And now the government asks for international support. And now a whole lot of partners are around. And you have um, people working. First, one, trying to resettle the victims, because we are talking about over eight to 10,000 people who have been rendered homeless. They have been resettled in a makeshift structure or something, whilst government is working on long term. But apart from that, also they are trying to cope up with the issue of giving them food and clothing because people were woken up and it was in the early morning when this thing happened, when the disaster struck, and also the issue of water and sanitation and hygiene because we are talking about over 800 people still missing. Some of them are dead and buried under the ground. So the issue of water and sanitation and hygiene is also key how to make sure people have safe, clean drinking water so that you will not have another spread of communicable diseases like cholera. So that's the thing we are talking about, the heaviest disaster. And it hits Freetown when the people are trying to recover from the Ebola crisis. So yes, right now, it's all about how to get these people back on track, to help them resettle, to help them get food, clothing, and how you know this whole tragedy will be put backwards. But that's the situation right now. It's still very serious because um, people, the government is expecting to have more support from partners to rescue this situation. But as we speak, the victims, the survivors are still calling for more help. And um, yeah, it's a serious issue. Even right now, you go to Freetown, some areas you can still smell, you know, um, like some awful smell, some say decomposing bodies. Mm. And even the mortuary head in Freetown says he's expecting that more bodies will pop up during the dries because now when it rains, some of the bodies are stuck underneath. But he says when it starts 
um, when the rains subside, we'll have more bodies coming up when the place will be hot and heat will force some of the bodies to come up. So that's the situation as I speak to you yeah. um, over. So, uh, Alpha, what I'm understanding is that while the initial disaster of the heavy rains, the mudslides and so, f- and so forth were a disaster in and of themselves, there is still another, I suppose, residual disaster that is going to unfold as the rains begin to subside, as the different uh, uh, seasons start to come in. Um, What sort of help has come from, I suppose, the international community? Uh, Maybe not so much the international community, uh, but African uh, sort of uh, community. What sort of help has come to the people of Sierra Sierra Leone with regards to that? Yes. um, Yeah, when the disaster occurred, the President Kuruma launched an appeal for partners to help to support the country. Indeed, um, the response from ECOWAS, that's the Economic Community of West Africa State, the sub-regional group, was actually massive. You know, the chairperson of ECOWAS, the Guinean president, Conde, he was the first person, he flew to Freetown, he donated $100,000 plus uh, two tons of rice, and other heads of state also followed. Senegal also donated um, $100,000. You know, later, you know, Ghana sent some um, equipment and some money, followed by Nigeria, you know, um, Togo. So actually, and even the ECOWAS Commission. So the response was actually very positive, um, starting with West Africa, West African leaders and other heads of state. And also, yes, some other members from the international community, like the European Union, the World Bank, and of course, they all came on board to support. So yes, but still, as we're talking about an area covered where the houses, you know, some are saying it's over 150 houses that have been lost. So the issue of uh, like uh, rehabilitating or even resettling these people, I think the government say they want more money. They want more so that they can be able to settle these people back. But yes, the corona, like you said, I talked about it earlier. The corona of the Freetown mortuary says he is expecting that more bodies will be popping up during the drives when the rains will subside because he says when it's hot downstairs under the earth, that's when things start popping up. But for right now, we have rains, and that's what he says. So people are now afraid that maybe another disaster like a cholera outbreak or something might spread around Freetown, and aid agencies are working. But however, like the aid agencies, you know, they are trying to also address the issue of water and sanitation and hygiene. But don't forget also that this issue, some people are also blaming the government because the issue of um, deforestation, people cutting down trees, yes. burning down charcoal. You know, during the war, people left up the, up the provinces to come and settle in Freetown. So some of them, after the war, they never returned back up country. They stayed in Freetown, up the hills. So they have been just been cutting down trees, building houses up the hills, up the mountains, destroying the, national, the natural habitat. So these are some of the causes environmentalists are saying resulted into this crisis. So they blame government for allowing people to settle in some of those places. They will have yep. forced them to break some of these structures so that they will go back to wherever. So that is the situation. Well, we, we've also heard from our Department of International uh, Relations and Cooperation um, that South Africa donated 8 million rands to the disaster relief there. Uh, so that's encouraging news. Interesting, uh, Alpha, you talk about the whole issue of deforestation and how uh, it has um, contributed to the mudslides. And you're talking about the fact that uh, um, 
uh, environmentalists are raising this issue at government level to, you know, point the finger at government to say that nothing has been done about that. Talk to me a little bit more about that. What is government's response to that uh, accusation? Well, yes, um, the government, some have been uh, very open to say yes. Um, they were facing some kind of a difficult situation because, like I told you, during the war, people fled the war up in the provinces and came to Freetown. Then after the war, some of them never returned up country. They stayed in Freetown. So because of that, government, they are saying they were constrained in how to force these people to remove them from their makeshift structures and go back up country. And but you have the Ministry of Lands and Country Planning. They are supposed to give people, you know, building permits wherever you want to construct a structure in Freetown or even in the provinces in, in Sierra Leone. You have to pass through the Ministry of Lands and Country Planning. They should give you the go ahead to build a house or wherever. So they're supposed to enforce these laws and tell people that, you know what, you are not supposed to build here. Here is uh, maybe a natural uh, reserve or here is uh, not good for human habitation and stuff. But they have been failing in their, you know, duties. That's how people build all these illegal, you know, structures in this place. And now this has happened. So what other people are saying is, okay, look at government. You have this power to do this. You give people permits to build houses. Why should we allow them to build houses in this kind of areas? So some have been, you know, receptive to accept that there are flaws. But some are saying, no, people have been very, you know, stubborn in terms of not wanting to leave these places. That's the point. But the point I'm making is I've done several interviews with people about the issues of environmental degradation and stuff. People burning charcoal to sell for survival, you know. People are burning down wood, cutting trees. And some are, don't, are not even aware of the dangers of um, the climate change and stuff like this. This resulted into this. So, like, even the UN has warned that if the country wants to continue to move on, they need to start taking the issue of environmental laws and protection very serious because as a result of their failure to do this, that resulted into this major disaster. So we are looking forward, but honestly, um, a lot of Sierra Leoneans, you know, they are just so, you know, they, they, don't, like they don't even care about this issue. And today I asked the Red Cross, the Red Cross head for the Sahel region, I asked why has climate change been very unfair this year in a, across West Africa? Because we are not only talking about Sierra Leone. Guinea also lost about 10 people to some, you know, um, similar incident. You know, in, in Niger, for example, over 43 have been confirmed dead. Same happened in Nigeria. Other places flooded in Ghana. So all over West Africa this year, it has been like a year for West Africa. Everywhere is flooding. And the Red Cross person told me that, all right, people need to take the issue of climate change very seriously. I think that's an issue. And if this thing should be curtailed or to be prevented in the future, the government needs to take the issue of environmental protection very seriously. And they should enforce the laws of reforestation. If you cut one, one tree, you plant two or three more so that the, the environment will be protected. Well, I, I read the article that uh, was written by Lindsay uh, Kazim that uh, uh, that really you know piqued my interest about the issue, and that's why we're talking to you about this. And the title of the uh, of the article says Sierra Sierra Leone grapples with another big tragedy, but the world doesn't seem to care. Now I'm going to ask you the question that might sound a little bit uh, insensitive: Is it is this? Is the fact that the international world has not um, 
put this issue in the spotlight as we've seen with what happened uh, with uh, Hurricane Irma, with what happened with uh, the various uh, terrorist attacks that we've been hearing about in Europe and so forth. Uh, is this perhaps because, I suppose, the media, the world feels that part of the reason why these tragedies accept, uh, I mean, take place is because Africans are not taking responsibilities of their own countries and making sure that the safety of their people is a priority. To what extent would that be a reason why there seems to be a shrugging of the shoulders when something like this happens in Sierra Leone, uh, Alpha? It's a great point. Um, I think when it comes to the issue of um, human lives, you know, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights says every man was born equal in rights and freedom and dignity. I think every life matters in the world. But like you said, um, the international media has not been very, very proactive in terms of putting the limelight on this issue. I actually also write for a lot of other media houses. If you Google me, you will yep. see some of the stuff I've done in the past for like USA Today and Adolu News in Tokyo and stuff. But back to the point, yes. When it happened, even if maybe someone, one person died in some place else, you would even see even Facebook will activate, um, you know, a safety check procedure. But Sierra Leone, we are talking about over a thousand plus people, you know, all succumbing to their death, you know, just like that. You know, so the world media, I remember two or three international media houses called me to like, they want to use my photos and stuff. I, I told them, no. You have money. You can send journalists to come on the ground and do this story. This is a human disaster. This is something big. So, yes, I think the international media, they all have their own agendas. It's, it's simple. You know, they have their agendas. They have their own priority. So I think Sierra Leone being a small country, you know, uh, well, poor. When I say poor, yes, but even though rich in mineral resources, exploited and for the benefits of the West, so to say, quote-unquote. And so some of them, we are not very sensitive to what is happening in Sierra Leone, but we are talking about a human disaster. We have people, over a thousand plus people, lost their lives, yep. you know, within the twinkle of an eye. So definitely, I think that's the point. The international media, and even as we speak, some of them have moved on. You know, when it's happening, Katrina and stuff, whatever, CNN activated and like 24 hours coverage. But Sierra Leone, it was... So that's the sad reality we are living in. It's a world of unequals. Some people or some lives are equal, and some are more equal than others. So that's the reality. Oh, double one eight eight three zero seven zero two. My guest is Alpha Kamara. He's journalist and producer uh, at West Africa Democracy Radio. He's a journalist. He's an also a columnist, as you've heard. Um, we'll hear just before we um, say goodbye where we can get more of his information. But give us a call. We'd like to hear from you, uh, Elvira in Kilani. Hi. Hello. Yeah, hi. Um, I'll be brief, but... Oh, uh, Elvira, are you still there? Yes. Sure, go ahead, yeah? Um, if I can work the story backwards, even from the hurricanes that we now seeing, uh, uh, annual hurricanes yes. hitting Haiti, Cuba, the Caribbean, and also annually hitting Texas in those places, it's nothing new. Yep. The problem is that they're working that back that it's exacerbated by the deforestation, the heating up, the drying up of the African continent, yep. causing these uh, disturbances. But, uh, you know, to say that the rest of the world doesn't care, when in fact, and it's not just in Sierra Leone, your uh, correspondent there have just mentioned he's left out the biggest culprit of lot, uh, Ellen Sirleaf Johnson in Liberia, deforestation on a massive scale, exactly as it is in Sierra Leone, where your de uh, 
deputy president is involved, stripping, logging, not just selling as fuel wood, which the locals are using, but logging and selling timber. Uh, uh, Ellen Sirleaf Johnson and her family selling to the Europeans, uh, uh, stripping deforestation, exactly the same thing, tropical forests, and then comes the rain, and now suddenly you, your forest is believed over 40%, 50% of the surface of these countries were natural uh, tropical forests. Yes. Stripped by the president. She gets a Nobel Peace Prize for her efforts, I will have you know, and we are blaming the rest of the world for not knee-jerk responding, having concerts, looking for aid, and so on. So if I understand you correctly, if I understand you correctly, part of what some might call the international um, apathy or lack of appetite to get involved in African issues is because Africans themselves uh, are responsible for some of these issues. It's logical irritation because it's the same thing. Uh, your correspondent also mentions yep. Ebola. The very reason for Ebola is because the fruit bats lost their natural habitat right up there against uh, uh, human beings. And this is precisely why you are, we are looking at the, We cannot say... We are helpless against nature when we have created this. Elvira Inkilani, thanks very much for your call. Brawili, hi. Hi, good evening, Obs, and to your esteemed uh, guest there. Yeah, go ahead, Brawili. It it, it actually touches and moves one greatly because when the truth is said, you know, it, 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 it hits very hard. Let me just quickly concur with Alvera. What he's saying actually is even going too far. Right across the road here from us in Mozambique, deforestation is taking place mm. at a very great rapid area. And uh, this charcoal thing, yeah, it's, it's a disaster. Yeah. Yes. When you go to places coming out of, uh, coming along uh, Mupane, this is the road or the rail line going facing towards the, the Kruger National Park. Yep. Deforestation is taking place there at a very great rapid. This is the place where the, the, the coal that they are burning in, Sandra, in, in Maputo. And yes, et cetera, et cetera. yes. But what I'm getting at is this. Much as we may shout, scream, and say all this and that, around the very continent, the moment when a leader starts applying what we commonly refer to as municipal bylaws, people will stand up and say he is cruel to his own people, wara, 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 why is he uh, doing this? What I'm trying to get at is this, where there must be a, 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 a rule of law in how people, when they move from rural areas getting into town, Building should be done in a very orderly form. Mm. Here I'm mentioning issues like when in Zim, when Mugabe moved away those tin shakes that were full up in town, people shouted and saying Mugabe is cruel. Let's fast forward and get to South Africa, where periodically it happens, but not at a greater, because it's not large numbers. When people fall into diffused mines, why? Because there's built houses on top of mine dams. I'm talking of Heldenay's three hook around those areas. When kids fall into such things and the noise that is, it, it, it's not made. Why? Because South Africa is supposed to be this uh, extremely utopia of a first world on the African continent, whereas they've got the same disasters of issues that are happening right here in this country. And until such time as laws are obeyed and followed, we will have a lot of these disasters like this. Brawili, thanks very much for your call. Much appreciated. Sadiq in Soweto, hi. Uh, hi, Robbie. Yeah, go for it, Sadiq. Yes, I 
Wow, my little friend, Wu. Yes, very well, very well. Thanks, Sadiq. Please go ahead, my brother. Okay. Yep. Yes, you know, uh, during the day, we are talking with a group of my friends. We have a, a, a group that we always discuss such events. And uh, we're talking, one guy was talking about Hurricane M. Yes. And uh, he was having the cloud in his hand because he was talking about how God is punishing uh, America just like he did before with uh, uh, the 40 days, 40 night rain and the Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, now we have this thing that people will always use religion in order to further their own nefarious ends. And uh, it is not like that, because there are people who are in America and are not siding with American policies at all. Now we have Sierra Leone. What are we doing about it? Why can't we pull our resources together as Africa and see to it that we help this disaster? But why? Why, why, why are we not doing it, Sadiq? I think we basically don't care about our own. All right. We, we, uh, uh, we you, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a narrative develop in the conversations I've already had uh, with Elvira and... Uh, uh, and uh, Brawili, that suggests that part of the reason why there seems to be a fatigue by international, uh, I suppose, agencies that uh, help, uh, you know, uh, disaster-stricken areas, the media, is because there seems to be an underlying feeling that part of the reason why these tragedies take place is because Africans themselves create the conditions that enable those tragedies to take place. So there seems to be a, a fatigue. Uh, if, I, if I'm understanding the calls that have come in already, there seems to be a fatigue with African uh, disasters on the basis that it is Africans themselves that create those uh, environments that, uh, that then uh, enable those, uh, uh, what's it called, these disasters to take place. What do you say to that? I agree with Alpha. I also agree with Brawili. Yeah. It is ourselves who do these things. And we create them in order because we are, I'm I'm going to talk about my country. We are looking at building a hundred Ngandas for a hundred top guys. We are not worried about uh, uh, the people who are building in disaster areas, who are living in shacks, who, who are prone to fires, too. I hear you. All right, Sadiq. Thanks very much for your call. Much appreciated. Yo, didn't expect this, eh? O double one eight eight three O seven O two. And am I reading it correctly? That there is a feeling that is carried by the narrative that says, "Yeah, um, you know, when you are facilitating the deforestation of your own country, uh, and uh, you are exper- you are exposing that topsoil to." terrains and so forth, um, there is then a feeling that suggests that uh, you may be liable and uh, liable for what is, ha- what is taking place. My question then becomes, what of the issue of this being a human disaster? Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about that. Moshere in Pretoria West, hi. Yeah, so how are you tonight? Daniel, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Moshere, go ahead, sir. Oh, 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 it's not a 
fatigue. We, we, we get fatigued even before we could, we, we could start talking about African issues. Because if, if you, you remember the issue of money, money when he was going to fight it, yes. the, the, the whole, I can say maybe the whole two months, we were talking about it. But when things happen in Africa, it's only when we have event. You remember, if not last week, it was week before last, when they were talking about this guy from Botswana who was bombed. It is only when we have that day when we commemorate, we celebrate, we're talking about African issues. But after that, there's no follow-up where we continue. The question is why? It's because of our leaders and also the the, the mainstream media. Our brothers and sisters who are in this position, we don't put these issues on spotlight. Sometimes when maybe one... But why? You see, Michelle, I I hear you. And I think think we all understand that... And that's why we're having this conversation that, you know, we need to start. But why is it that it is first, uh, the, the, the idea is to first speak about Hurricane Irma or what has happened in Barcelona? Or what? Maybe the, the thing is that our mindset, we, we, we are much focused on American pretend and stuff. We, we, we forget about talking about Africa. How can we assist Africa? How can we help Africa to, to really develop? Because also our leaders, if you look at most of the problems that we, we faced with in Africa, our leaders, Africa have a lot of resources of which our leaders, once they get into power, they collaborate with the, 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 the Europeans in order to, to rob the very fence. If you remember the documentary of one of African, the issue of France, where they want to get the, the, the genocide that happened in, in what, what is this country, where they want to, to access that, they're refusing them the archives. African people, we, we don't come together and try to solve our problems, of which it becomes problematic that even if some a disaster happened, I remember last week one of the callers when it was announced that South Africa donated eight million. One of the callers phoned seven and two saying that no, we can't be donating money to, to while we have our problem. We're talking about the disaster here. If it was donated to America, it was someone was going to celebrate. It can be. Where there is there is a disaster, we need to come together as Africans. A lot of people you hear them criticizing when people are talking about xenophobia, but there is no time where we come together as Africans and say, what what is it that we can do? You know that to avoid this. Well, says it's because we're just plain law. We don't appreciate the rule of law. We don't appreciate the fact that there needs to be order in the architecture and geography of our cities. We need to have them properly zoned. And when when uh, those laws are enforced, then we say that uh, the authorities are cruel against black people. No, 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 on that. If you look at that, Brawili was mentioning the issue of mining. There is some, uh, uh, money that is in the kitty for when the, the, the lifespan of a mine comes to an end. They should be using that money to, to, to rehabilitate. They don't do the Money is there. Our leaders are not doing what they're supposed to do. because. And, of- and could that then be the reason why there is this fatigue, uh, this this... Yeah, this fatigue with regards to reporting African stories because they all seem to have the same underlying story of irresponsible leaders. Is that perhaps the reason? It might be the reason, but we shouldn't be we shouldn't be tired of raising this issue. And yes. all of our brothers who are in the media space, we, we should be putting these issues on the spotlight. Well, not- Sherry, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go, my brother. Thank you very much for your call. Wow, hey, did you expect this? I didn't expect this. I really didn't. Well, let me hear from Alpha. Alpha, you've heard some of my callers. They are suggesting that one, South, no, 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 South, Africans are responsible for creating the conditions that enable these kinds of disasters, disasters to take place. And I'm hearing, it hasn't been said directly, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
that that is the reason why there is this tiredness, this fatigue to talk about African uh, stories because it'll be yet the same story. I mean, uh, you know, you've heard some of the uh, accusations about uh, people uh, such as the president of uh, of uh, of uh, Liberia, uh, Ms. Salif, right? Um, yeah. uh, references to some of our own leaders here in, in the SADC region, uh, Zimbabwe, here in South Africa, uh, the lack of respect for bylaws. Is it correct to make the link that suggests that that's probably why people feel, ah, you know, it's yet another African um, story. Uh, we'd rather talk about something else. And is that fair? Is that correct? Well, um Partly correct and partly not correct, if I may say, from my end. Because, yep. you know, our African leaders are never independent. When I say independent, they can't take independent decisions on their own. And they say, he who plays the piper plays the tune. For example, if you look at our African leaders, or even here in West Africa, you know, the continent is being divided by colonial masters influencing the policies and decisions. The countries that were colonized by French are more or less liable to answer to issues coming from France and so on and so forth. English, you know, answerable to whether America or the United Kingdom. Having said that, so for them to take independent decisions to actually enforce some of these things is difficult. Let me give you an example of Sierra Leone, you know, a country rich in minerals. But to what extent, but, oh, hold on, before you, you go on, to what extent has that got to do with greed, uh, Alpha? That perhaps... Uh, the the revenue that comes from deforestation and selling the wood uh, to other people and so forth is not because there is a, a master sitting in Europe somewhere, but rather there is a master called greed sitting in the hearts of some of our leaders. I'm asking, how do we interpret this reality uh, and then go back to the issue of why is it that African tragedies seem not to be striking um, the sexy media uh, chord? Yeah, partly, yes, greed is responsible. For example, um, when our leaders, they are greedy, they want to get all the benefits and the profits out of these minerals and all this logging and all this timber. That's one aspect. But for example, who is President Ellen Johnson Sally, for example, of Liberia, to refuse an American company the right to come and log timber in Liberia? The president, president of, of, the, the president of, of Liberia, that's who she is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who is President Kuroma of Sierra Leone to refuse a company from the UK to come and do logging yep. or to do some business in Sierra Leone? Same with other countries. Because they are so close to the colonial masters, they rely on them for benefits, for development purposes, yes. for funds, for whatever thing. So sometimes they are also constrained in terms of taking some tight yes. or heavy-handed decisions against them. Because mind you, even the logging in Sierra Leone and in deforestation is not only done by the local people, but even by international companies. They fail to abide by the rules and regulations of the environmental impact assessment. So that's an issue when you look at it the other angle. So I agree, greed, but also some of yeah, them are yeah. being, um, twisted by some of the colonial masters. Yeah, yeah. What of some of the very powerful Twitter, um, what should we call them, Twitterati? I mean, uh, here in South Africa, we've got a, a, a phenomenon called Black Twitter. What about organizations such as Black Lives Matter, who seem to be talking more about the issues of America uh, the shootings of black men by police officers in the United States, uh, should they also not be weighing in on the issue of the lives that are lost on the African continent as a result of this very strange relationship between um, the leaders and their colonial masters? Why are we not hearing that voice 
from those people who are supposed to be woke, as it were? I think that's a very good point. Like, if we talk about Black, black Lives Matter, it, yep. it should not only be limited to the United States, but it should be across to all blacks all over the world. But honestly, honestly, with all this that has happened, the Black Lives Matter movement and all these people who are claiming to be representing the black population or race, they've not said anything about Sierra Leone, and not only Sierra Leone, other conflicts happening across West Africa, like the Boko Haram issue, yep. you know, killing people and stuff. So I think if you talk about Black Lives Matter, it should not only be limited to America, but they should go across, cut across Africa, and also know they have a role to play. Because we are talking about Sierra Leone, a country over 60% are poor and illiterate. So when it comes to Twitter or social media, they are not very active, the majority of the people. So maybe some of these com- uh, groups and organizations should also try to find a way of amplifying some of the voices coming from the local communities here yes. to ensure it reaches the global level. That's a very good point. Uh, Alpha Kamara is my guest. We're talking about the tragedy that uh, happened uh, just a few weeks ago in uh, Sierra Leone. 500 people have died. That's the official position. But over 800 people are still missing. Many of them feared to be death. Uh, and 20,000 have been displaced from their homes. And this is just Sierra Leone. We're hearing from Alpha that uh, in um, in uh, uh, places such as Guinea, the same tragedy, perhaps in a in a, in a slightly more muted way, has, has, has hit that part of the world but my question is what is going on why is it that these issues don't get the same coverage as what um uh, would happen with the tragedy that took place in london with the train uh terrorist attack barcelona uh irma um all of these tragedies that we hear so loudly of and i'm also putting I'm not wanting to divorce myself from this issue. I'm trying to understand what is it about our psychology that makes us not see the lives of African people as just as important as those from elsewhere. Alpha, you know, we're running out of time, but where to from here with this particular conversation? Well, thank you, but definitely I think, like you said, every life matters in the world, and whether it's um, someone in South Africa or whether it's someone in Freetown or someone behind Boko Haram lines in Nigeria and wherever, if someone is dying or someone is suffering from something, people should come together because black lives matter all over the world, so like other lives. We are not saying other lives are not matter are not important, but we are saying black lives do matter because when things happen, Somewhere, like you talked about Barcelona, even if it's a fail, you know, um, explosion somewhere, it will be amplified all over. So I think it's time the international media and all, even also the African leaders, why don't we have our own local media that amplify the voices of Africans? Yep. For example, ECOWAS sub-region, you have ECOWAS. You know, why can't you have a media of your own where you can amplify the voices yeah, yeah. of the ECOWAS or the African people? Don't rely on international media because they have their own agenda, Indeed. they have their own issues. So until when that is addressed, I think we'll talk about seriousness on how we can channel our issues to the international world. Uh, Alpha, thanks very much for joining me, my brother. And I really appreciate your time and uh, just giving us uh, better insight as to what is happening at the moment uh, with this tragedy in Sierra Leone. Thank you very much. And I hope we'll speak again. Thank you so much, my brother. All right. Alpha Kamara, journalist and producer at uh, West Africa Democracy Radio. Pretty flacco says, yeah, even 702 didn't cover Sierra Leone. So ask somebody you're working with. So ask yourself, why didn't you talk about it? You are responsible. Well, I'm trying to do that right now, pretty flacco. Uh, I'd like to take a call from you around this. But it's a serious matter. What is going on in our minds that doesn't make, that makes us not put uh, our own African issues 
on the platform with more priority.